Hallelujah. Well, I don't think I have a toe-stepping on sermon today, so, you know, it's okay. You can stick your feet back out. It's okay. Hallelujah. Uh, first of all, I, I do want to thank Miss Pam. Where are you at? She's over here. Raise your hand, Pam. She's in charge of all, all of our hospitality, things like that. And so she and all the young adults, young adults, give yourself a hand. Came in Friday night and uh, decorated for Christmas. So, you know, we always appreciate what they do for us. And so thank you, Pam. You do an awesome job. Hallelujah. Well, I want to open up with prayer today, okay? We'll start out with that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Word of God. Lord, the Word is just everything to us. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your Word is our guide. It's our standard. It's our instruction book. It teaches us how to be, live victoriously in this life. And so, Lord, I thank you today that as I bring forth your Word that the people are receiving they're hearing, they're seeing, they're understanding, they're seeing where they need to make some changes in their lives, they're seeing the things, that the steps of action that they need to take to get the victory that they need. And so, Father, we just praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the title of today's message is, You Just Have to Have Faith. Oh, if you need a sheet, if you need a handout, raise your hand. Oh, Grandpa, you didn't, or Dad, there's sheets right there. Some. Sometimes he's grandpa. Anyway, if you need an outline, raise your hand. If you did not get an outline, raise your hand, and the ushers will be more than happy to to give you one. Over here on this side on my right, Connie and all these folks over here need one on my right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Okay. So how many of you have ever been talking to somebody and they'll say, well, you just need to have faith? And how many of you remember a time in your life, or maybe you're at this point in your life right now, when you don't have a clue what it means to have faith? You don't have a clue what it means to to get faith. You don't have a clue, period. And so I'm backing way up several years in my life to when I first heard about the, the faith message. And I'm telling you what, this is, where your, this is where your victory lies. Now, our mission statement is that we're High Desert Word Center, and we're a family church, and what do we do? Does anybody know? Is it on the front of the bulletin? It should be. We are a family church, and our job is to equip the saints, the people, for victorious Christian living. How many of you just love to live in defeat and failure? Well, God doesn't want you to live in in, uh, defeat and failure either. And that is why he gave us his word. And that is why he gave us things that we need to do and to know. So, you know, when someone would say that to me, you know, you just have to have faith. You know, and sometimes you may say that to somebody, shame on you if you do, without telling them how to get faith. And they just look at you like with a blank stare, like a calf at a new gate. You know, you may not know anything about animals, but... If you take a little calf and you put a new gate in front of him, he's just going to look at it because he doesn't have a clue what to do with it. So, you know, and some people say, well, you just have to believe. Well, believe what? You know, people will stop buy signs and they'll put them in their house and it says believe. And it makes me wonder, well, do you know how to believe? What are you believing for? You know, it takes more than just throwing a word up there and saying a phrase, you just have to have faith. Or throwing a sign up on your wall that says believe. you got to know how to get from point A to point Z. Amen. So you may say, well, I wonder what, what is faith? You know exactly what is it? What do I need to have faith for? 
How do I get faith? Everything looks impossible to me, but you're telling me that I need faith? Let's open up our Bibles to Romans 117. Amen. Amen. Yeehaw. Yay. The Word of God. Romans 117. The very last sentence in this verse says, The just shall live by faith. Whoa. You mean I have to have faith my whole life? The just shall live by faith? So that means that my entire life, I have to live by this faith stuff? Whoa. I need to live by faith, and I don't know even how to get it or what it is. So I'm gonna, we're going to answer these questions for you today. Look up Hebrews 11.1. 1. This is the biblical de- definition of faith. It says, now faith is, here comes your definition, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. If you have it in your hand, if you can see it, if you already possess it, you don't need faith to get it. You've already got it. So let's read this again. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. In other words, you don't have it yet, but you want it. Okay, so in uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, I looked up the definition for substance. Substance is the main or the material part. So faith is a substance. I'm not going to get heavy here with you, but just, just follow me. Faith is a substance. That's the main part of what you need. It's the material part. So I'm going to show you something here. You know, me and my little illustrated sermons. So what I have here today is some fabric. Would you call that a substance? That's a thing, right? Okay. I'm going to say that this is my, my hope. Okay. It's the evident faith is the substance of things hoped for. Here's my hope. I have here hope. Okay. Just pretend like it's hope. Now, you can translate it into your heart and and your life. What is it in your heart and your life that you're hoping for, but you don't yet have the faith for? This is my hope. This, This is hope. Okay, there's my hope. Okay, so hope is the prelude to faith. But hope alone is going to get you nowhere. It's nice to have hope, and hope is a a prelude. It's the beginning of, but it's not going to get you anywhere. Hope has to hook up to something. It's like a tractor and a trailer. I'm going to use your your, uh, truck driving talk, Dad. So you have this this trailer, and then you have the tractor, the the front part. But that that, uh, trailer is going nowhere unless it's hooked up to that tractor, and then it'll pull it. So think about this. So let's say the tractor's your hope. I mean, the the trailer's your hope, but the tractor's your faith. It's going to pull that hope and get it to where it's going. Okay? Let's look up Hebrews 6, verse 19. We're going to talk about hope for just a few minutes here. 
You know, you've heard people that say, oh, I'm just a hoping and a praying. Well, if you're just a hoping and a praying, you're probably not going to get anywhere. You need to be faithing and praying, okay? But you do have to have that hope first. Okay, Hebrews 6.19 says this. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into to that within the veil. But, it, but hope is an anchor of our soul. And I thought about these huge, enormous ships, you know, like our battleships, our navy ships, all that kind of stuff. Have you ever seen one of those anchors that holds one of those things? I mean, they are enormous. They're very heavy. They have to be to keep a ship in place. But hope is the same way for us. It's the anchor of our soul. We hope, and, it's, and it, keeps us, it keeps us anchored. It keeps us where, thinking, you know, I've got to get this. It's, it keeps us to where we want to push for more so that that thing that we're hoping for becomes a reality in our lives. So hope is an anchor. It is holding on to whatever our heart's cry is. You know, people may say, I hope to be healed someday. You'll hear people say this. I hope to find a spouse. A lot of people say that. I hope to be able to pay my bills. I hope to find a good-paying job. Hope is the basics. Hope is like wishing. Wishing. I'll just throw this in. This is a side note. You know, when we have a, a birthday at our house, we don't wish and blow out the candles We pray and blow out the candles. Whoever's birthday it is, they get to pray and then they get to blow out the candles. Why? Because you're getting nothing with a wish. But if you're praying for something, you know, it's for sure going to come about. You can't sit all day long just hoping. You can't sit all day long just pining and crying and moaning and groaning away with just hope or you will never get what you're hoping for. Now I'm going to tell you a little story. How many of you like stories? Okay, I like stories. Stories put a picture to what it is, you know, the, the speaker's saying. So I'm going to tell you a story. When I was a child, I was about 10 years old, I had a horse. His name was Cheyenne, and he was a beautiful paint. And then my family moved from, uh, you know, I was a kid. Then my family moved from uh, Rhode Island to Indiana, and I had to sell my horse. So, you know, that was years and years and years ago since I was 10 years old. We won't go into that. But life went on. Moved to Indiana, went to school, high school, blah, 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 got married. And I ended up with with eight children. But the desire that I had in my heart for that horse never went, for a horse never went away. I was hoping. It was a desire. It was way down in. I never told anybody about it. It was just something that, you know, something in maybe your life you've been hoping for forever. You know, but you've never put it into faith so that you're able to achieve that. So I'm going to show you how to do that. So it was just buried deep within me. It was lying dormant. You know, this horse was in there dead. <laughs> so one day I did the basic thing. This is basic. I put a popcorn prayer up to the Lord. Now, this is what a popcorn prayer is. It's short and sweet. This was my prayer. Lord, I'm not getting any younger, and I would really love to have a horse again. That was my popcorn prayer. Not a whole lot of faith in that, but that was my popcorn prayer. So out of the blue, this is when we were still in Indiana, out of the blue, my mother sends me $500. 
She's never sent me $500 before, and she's never sent me $500 since. And I never told anybody about this. So in the mail, I get $500. And then just so happens, it must have been the month of March because the church took up a birthday offering for me. And I ended up with $850. I had horse money. Woohoo! Yeah. So, did I ever get that horse? Yeah, I did. I took my $850. There was a guy at church that knew all about horses, and I said, go find me a horse. has to be gentle, blah, blah, blah. So he finds me this horse. So the horse, how many of you are horse people that know anything at all about horses, or if you're just clueless? Okay, some, most of you don't have a clue. Okay, well, this horse that this gentleman bought for me was a standard bred, which is a high, big, tall horse. It's like a thoroughbred. Only they're trotters, you know, that you put, hook them up to the car. And uh, come to find out, this horse was registered as a, as a race horse. So basically it was a retired race horse, okay? So I get this horse, and I called him Montana, and he was a cool horse. So, and he would go like the wind. But he, didn't, he, but he didn't go like other horses. He had this pace that he would go, go into. And it was like you were riding on a cloud. He would just sail. And so I would get on him, and I would just sail. He was so big, the guys had to help me get on him, you know, and I didn't dare fall off of him while I was down the road somewhere because I wasn't going to be able to get back on. Leanne, you can relate to all this. Okay. So anyway, so I had my horse. So, But when we moved to uh, California, I had to sell Montana. So he, went, he was sold to a lady that was going to use him for a horse and buggy thing. So we moved out here, and, you know, I didn't have, didn't have a horse. So one day our daughter Annie wanted a horse. So I went out and bought her one. Sore subject between Pastor and I. Her name, <laughs> just went out and bought this horse. Paid $800 for this horse named Dolly. Stupidest horse in the entire world. I hated that horse. And I don't hate horses. But that horse was, you would go to feed her and she'd turn her butt on you, you know. She'd just turn around and I'd think, mm. I like a horse that'll cuddle with you, you know. You walk up to them and they lay their head on you, you know, and just hug them and stuff like that. That's the kind of horse I like. So Dolly was a dumb horse. And I couldn't sell her. You know, nobody wanted this stupid horse. I couldn't sell her. So I gave her away. And then I wanted another horse for me. So here was my other popcorn prayer. I said, Lord, I want a horse for free. I want a free horse. I said, I sowed Dolly, and I need a harvest on Dolly. And I don't care if it's older. I'm older, you know, and I want a horse, please. And then I thought, and I said, oh, Lord, make it more than one horse because someone may want to ride with me. And so that was that. So I went down to the feed store. You know, I'd go down to McCoy's every once in a while. Great place. Great lady. Loves the Lord. That lady that owns McCoy's is a Christian. And I told the people that worked down there, hey, I'm looking for uh, some free horses. And, um, you know, if you know anybody that has an older horse that they want to get rid of, you know, just let me know. So this lady from Newberry Springs calls me, and she said, I've got a 27-year-old Appaloosa, and her name is Allie. I said, well, I'll come out and see her. So I wrote Allie. I'm not going to cry. And uh, uh, we brought Allie home. And uh, see, I told you I love horses. Anyway, rode her for three or four years, and then she passed away. But then in the meantime, when I still had Allie, another lady called me and said, I have two horses, but they need to come together because they've been together their whole life. So I said, okay. 
So she gave me two registered Arabian horses, Casey and Kobe. So then I had three horses. Then someone else called me from way down. You know, you go to Hesperia and there's this big mountain. Well, at the end of the mountain, there was a lady over there that had a nine-year-old double-registered Arabian standard bred that wanted to find a good home for this, this gelding. So good old Joe and I, we, we go over there, you know. And this lady, this lady, she gives us this nine-year-old um, Arabian gelding. So I have all these old horses, then I have the young one, you know. So uh, we, so I had four horses. So I kept, uh, his name was Bo. So I kept Bo for a while, but Bo was trained for the show ring, and, and Joe and I, we like to go out and ride out there. I don't want to just stay on the property, you know, I like to go somewhere. So we couldn't break Bo of the, of the fact that he didn't, he just wanted to go around and circle in a show ring all the time. I thought this is boring. So we gave, we gave Bo away, okay? Nine-year-old registered Arabian standard bred gelding, I gave him away. So, in the meantime, Allie passed away, Casey passed away, and Kobe passed away because uh, Kobe was 29 and Casey was 27, something like that. So then uh, I got a phone call. I didn't have any horses, and I got a phone call, and I thought, Lord, I still want, you know, still want horses. So I was given. So I got a call one day. Um, somebody dumped these two Arabians off at my house. It's a horse friend of mine. Uh, do you want them? And I said, Well, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, well, I went and looked at them first because I don't want any mean horses around. So, so I went down and I looked at these horses. And this is a guy that I gave Bo to, you know, Bo the, the Raven Gelding. So I'm over there looking at these horses. Guys got a lot of horses. And Bo comes up and he puts his head on my shoulder, you know. And I said, I know you're there, Bo. You know, I know you're there. But anyway, so anyway, anyway I ended up with Monty and Melody, who I, who I, I still have Monty and Melody uh, Monty's 20, give or take, and Melody's 25, give or, or take. But they're Arabians. Now, I could, I could have been given quarter horses or any other kind of horse, but God saw to it, except for Allie, the first Appaloosa, that I was given Arabians. Well, why is that? Arabians are my favorite kind of horses. And when I was a little girl, I always wanted Arabians, except for my, my paint that I had. So God knew that. So I put into action a Bible fact. Okay, I said all that to say this. I sowed a seed. Now, maybe you're believing for something in life. Maybe one of the things that you need to do is to sow a seed. You know, are you looking for a new car? Maybe you ought to give away a car. I mean, don't go carless, you know what I'm saying? You know, don't say, Mrs. Pastor said to give my car away, so now will somebody pick me up and take me to work? I'm not saying that, okay? I'm not saying that at all. You have to watch what you say to people. But maybe you need to sow a seed. Like I was thinking a while ago this morning, I was thinking, well, you know, if there's anybody in here believing God for a baby, why not buy a box of diapers and stick it in the thing back there for the pregnancy center? That is sowing a seed. It doesn't have to be a huge financial seed, although sometime it can be. But maybe it's just something like that. Or if you're believing for a child, we knew people before that were believing for babies, they'd start working in the nursery because they were believing for children. So you're giving your time to the babies, and you know what happens? You know, then you end up with a baby of your own, presuming you're married. Yes, be married first. Find that husband. Remember, we talked about having faith for husbands. So anyway, you don't have to write this down. You can write it down if you want to, but we're not going to look at it. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. 
So it can be, you know, it can be anything that you sow. I mean, you can sow it at love and receive love. You can sow an attitude. You can also sow a bad attitude and get a bad attitude back, you know, stuff like that. 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 10 says that God multiplies the seed sown. So I had to tell the Lord the other day, because people keep giving me horses. In fact, pastor said to me the other day, there's, a, there's this lady, a friend of mine, trying to get rid of a burrow for free. He said, we could use it for the children's plays. I said, no, I'm not, I don't want any burrow. <laughs> you know? So I had to tell the horse, the Lord, you know, you can shut off the, the horse thing now because I, you know, when these two are gone, I probably won't have any more horses. And if the kids want some, then they can just develop their own faith for me. Okay. But when you sow, when you sow a seed for something, you don't stew and fret over the seed. Um, you just, you know, you just sow it and go on your way and let the seed do the growing. So that's just one biblical fact, though, is to sow a seed if you need something. Okay. So uh, many Christians don't even know that. So if you need a car, you can sow a seed into someone else's car, a tank of gas. Let me let me put gas in your car. You know, and then between you and the Lord, you say, Lord, I'm sowing a seed because I need a car of my own. Or you can uh, sow a car payment. You know, I want to make your next car payment. And while I'm at it, FPU starts up in January. Don't even recommend that you have a car payment, right? (laughs) You save your money and then you pay cash for your car. Anyway, but that's just that. Or you give someone else money for them to purchase a car. You're sowing a seed. You know, or if you want a home of your own, you sow a seed into somebody else's home. You know, just sowing a little bitty seed. How big are seeds? They're tiny. You know, seeds aren't very big. But you have to have seed in the ground. Okay, so open up your Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 37. This is an awesome verse. It says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. So you need to determine in your heart that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Now, if you're, if you're praying for something stupid like, Lord, help me rob the bank downtown. Hey, God isn't going to do that. You know what I'm saying? It has to be something that lines up with the word of God, something that's in his word. So how do I get faith, you say? You need to have faith to live this life, a just life. Look at Romans 10:17. Usually about every sermon we do around here ends up with 10, Romans 10, 17 at one point or another. So you ought to know it by now if you don't. Romans 10, 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing. So you want some faith. You know, the just shall live by faith. Well, how, how do I get it? Well, it tells you right here. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The local news? Hearing the national news. Well, that going to get you faith? How about listening to your favorite tunes? Is that going to get you any faith? How about listening to everybody's opinion? That really stinks. No, it tells us right here. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The Word of God. What is the Word of God? The Bible. Okay. So, if I'm going to have faith for something, I'm going to have to hear about it. That's how you got saved to begin with. Somebody told you the good news about Jesus Christ. Somebody told you about Jesus. 
And they put that out there, and you grabbed a hold of it, and you obtained the faith to get saved, and you acted on it, and you became a born-again Christian. See? So, so you have to have faith for everything. So, you know, that's one reason why you come to church, okay, is so you can have some faith. To hear the Word of God. But you need to develop and expand on the faith you are hearing. So I just want to show you a couple of books uh, out of the bookstore. Here's one that says, Understanding How to Fight the Good Fight of Faith. You know, sometimes it's a fight, you know, but it's a fight we win. How many of you like fights we win? How many like to win games? How many like to live in life? You know, amen, that's me. I like to win. So understanding how to fight the good fight of faith. If you're believing for healing, here's a book on healing scriptures. This is how you're going to get your faith. It's just not out in the air, you know, da-da. You need, to, you need to get some faith in you for the certain area that you're believing God for. This one's for healing. Here's a couple of awesome books. I keep this one in my bathroom. Creative Power for Healing, Charles Capps. Awesome book. You know, and I just read. Here's another book, God's Creative Power. It's about, about words, about the Word of God. If you're believing for uh, your children... This is uh, the power of teachable moments, using everyday ex- experiences to teach your child about God. Here's some things that you can do for your kids. But you know, along the way, there are obstacles along the way sometimes. How many of you have ever drive down the road and they got a detour? How many of you have drive down the road and there's a bump in the road or a hole in the road or whatever? Well, the devil likes to throw stuff in the road on your way to your, on your faith journey. So this is an awesome book, John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan. Uh, this is all about you being offended. And this is something you've really got to guard in your life, about being offended. You can have a, a, an offense, and you, or you can pick up somebody else's offense. You know, somebody comes griping to you at church, or well, they better not gripe at church, because I hear about it, and then I get upset. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> and I usually handle it, because we're not having any griping at church. But if uh, somebody's offended about something, you know, it's at work or your family or something like that. And you pick up their offense because you thought, well, how dare they do that to you? You're my best friend. So you're picking up their offense, see. Or you can have your own offense. Either way, the results are the same. It's going to flat out stop your faith right where it's at. So let's say you're uh, six months into your faith for whatever it is you're, you're, uh, you're faithing for. I was, I'm not saying hoping for Whatever it is you're faithing for, and all of a sudden you become super offended at something, somebody, something, you just stopped your, you just stopped your faith. The train stopped. I'm just telling you. Have you ever seen a stop train? It just stopped. It's not going anywhere until you get over your offense. So that's just something I, I just wanted to show you those. I'll put those. I'll give them to her. I just wanted to show you something, a book, book that has nothing to do with the subject we're on, okay? Nothing at all. But uh, <laughs> thank you, lady. But uh, just hang there a minute. This is Dr. Uh, Lester Sumrall's book, The Holy War, Jihad, Time Bomb in the Middle East, written in 19, 1990. Really good, cool book, if you want to know what's going on in the world. 20% off. 20% off. Da, 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 da. Okay. So anyway, you're going to have to take that faith that you're hearing at church, and you're going to have to supplement it. For one thing, you need to get in the Word of God yourself. So let's say you're believing for healing. What, so this, this happened to me, okay? I was raised up in church, whatever church my dad decided to take us to when we were in the Army. We'd go to a new town every three years, and you know, or a new state or a new nation or somewhere. 
And my dad would take us to church, and he'd say, okay, this is your church, and we'd go there for three years, and then, we'd, and then he'd show up at Easter and Christmas. And, but we went there every Sunday, okay? <laughs> so sometimes it was a Baptist church, sometimes it was a Methodist church. So I ended up getting baptized in the Holy Ghost in a Methodist church, believe it or not, back in 1976. So anyway, I like to tell that story. That's really cool. But I won't go into it. Okay. Now I lost my train of thought. About, <laughs> what was I saying? What was the last thing I said before I said that? Yeah, I did get baptized. Oh, so, so uh, you know, they don't teach you anything at all about faith. You know, Nothing. Diddly squat, zero zilch, nada. And so I needed, to, I wanted to know about, and I, I, oh, here I go. I started hearing that Jesus heals. And I thought, wow, Jesus still heals today? And I'm the type of person, I don't believe it just because you told me. I got in the Word. And every time I'd go reading my Word and every time I'd see something about healing, I would mark it. You know, you can mark it with a certain color. You know, so that when you flip through there, all you've got is these healing scriptures. And then I came to the realization after I saw it in the Word, man, that is true. Jesus does still heal today. So you can't talk me out of it because I studied for myself. And I got all these scriptures down there. So you need to study the Word. You need to get supplemental things like what I, I showed you out of our bookstore um, or any bookstore that's got a good bookstore. Some bookstores are yuck. And full of junk, but our bookstore is a good bookstore full of faith and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, you need to develop and expand on the faith that you're hearing. And your faith needs to grow. Okay? Let's say to begin with, you didn't have faith for anything at all. But you start hearing and that, and that hope, you know, and you can develop it into faith. And that's the thing that you want. That, that's what you want. There's three kinds of faith. I'm just going to throw this out to you. Romans 12:3 says, every man is given the measure of faith. So everybody that gets, you know, born again is given a measure of faith. And what's that measure of faith for? To get born again. You know, that's what I talked about a minute ago. You start hearing, and then you think, oh, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So that's the measure of faith that you're given. Everybody has, gets that. And then there's the Roman 10:17 faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, where you're growing your faith, okay, where you're growing your faith. And then the third kind of faith is a, is a gift of supernatural faith. It's one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And just, that just God does that as, uh, as he pleases. Look up uh, Romans 12, 2. This is something that you need to do if you're believing God. For, how many of you are believing God for anything? Okay. <laughs> some of you have your hands raised real high. Some of you don't have a clue. You need to be believing God for something. Are you believing God for your family to get saved? Are you believing God? What do you believe in God? You know, you know, that's a good one. Most people don't want their relatives going to hell. You know, I mean, if, if, if you want your relatives to go to hell, then come up here and we will lead you in a prayer of salvation. And you can get saved because love is of God or we don't want our relatives going to hell. Okay? So anyway, you need to, you know, I'll teach you about that in a minute. Okay, so Romans 12, 2 says this. And be not conformed to this world. How many of you, before you got saved... You thought like the world thought. You thought like the local news. You thought about, you know, you know, thought this. You thought that you thought like the world. But guess what? God's not of the world. So we need to be not conformed to this world that we're living in. But we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need to get our thinking right. 
that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See what I mean? We need to transform our thinking. You know, the world tells us it's okay to abort babies. God Almighty says it's not okay to abort babies. You know, so we renew our minds and we go along with, okay, God says this, so I'm changing my mind because God's not going to change. So I'm changing my stinking thinking and I'm going to start thinking like God thinks. And I get into my word and I find out how he thinks. Okay, and then here's something else you need to do. Mark 11 says this. Mark 11:22 through 24. Yeah, and Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith. Well, how are you going to have the God kind of faith if you're not in the Bible? Finding Jesus is the word, you know. You need to get in here and find out what the faith for your believing for is. Verse 23, For verily or truly I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So a lot of times, you know, we may be believing for something in our heart. We've got the faith for it. We've got the word for it. You know, we're, we're doing good. But then our head starts doubting. Well, forget the head. Go with the faith that's in your heart. You know, tune into that faith that's in your heart, the faith that's lined up with the Word of God. That's what you need to tune into. So you need to keep your words in line with what you are believing for and what the Bible says. So in other words, if you're believing God for, say, healing, okay, and maybe it's a little journey you're taking on on healing, so you're believing God for healing, And then one day out of the blue you say, oh, I'm never going to get healed. The train just stopped again. Whoa. The train stopped. You just blew your faith right out of the water. So now you're going to have to go back. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry I said that. I pray for crop failure on my words. You know, I don't want that. I want healing. Then you get yourself back in the word again. You build your faith back up and you go on. Okay. So then, another thing is Hebrews 12, verses 2 and 3. says this, Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Looking unto Jesus, who is the Word of God, or looking unto the Word, looking unto Jesus the Word, who is the author of, And the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. There's another thing where your your minds, you know, you're doubting in your mind but not in your heart. But look here, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So let's say that during your life you have a lot of little faith projects. You're believing for a job, okay? So you're believing for a job. You get scriptures that go along with how I'm believing for a job. You know, Lord, your word says 
Promotion cometh from neither from the north or south or the east or west, but it comes from the Father who is above and comes down through the, you know, la, 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 that. Or you've got favor. You know, boy, I'm believing God for favor to get this job. You know, recently Johnny Sy's got an awesome job, didn't you, brother? Yeah. Did you just sit that, get that sitting on your hind end or did you have some faith for it? Yeah. Did it come overnight? No, it didn't come overnight. Did you lose heart? Did you lose heart in it? You did lose heart in it, but did you get your faith back up there? Okay, and so you obtained the thing. So see, the end of his faith is he's got this job now. So Jesus was the beginner of his faith, and your faith ended for that. You don't need a job anymore. See what I'm saying? So sometimes we we, we start our faith journey, but then we get what we're, we're faithing for, and then that ends. And then we pick it up in another place. So... Anyway, um, some things take longer than others, uh, especially if you're dealing with people to be saved, um, things like that. Um, so how do I obtain faith? And you can write this on the back. I don't think it's on your paper. So write it on your back. Is it on the back? Oh, it is on the back. Yay, raw. You mean we got double-sided today. Cool. Okay. So how do I obtain faith? Okay, first of all, you need to realize there is a process to obtaining faith. Number one is you have to have hope. But you can't stay there. Number two, you find Bible verses that pertain to what you want to receive. Okay? Alex, you're believing God for some stuff. You've got to get in the Word, get some verses. You know, get them down in your heart. Put them on the wall. Put them on the mirror. Everywhere you see, you know, put those verses. Number three, know that nothing is impossible with God as long as what you are believing for is in the will or the Word of God. Okay? Number four, you need to develop your faith in that area. Dr. Summerall, whose book I just showed you on the jihad, used to say, feed your faith and starve your doubts to death. Isn't that cool? Feed your faith and starve your doubts to death. Number four, watch your mouth. Don't say contrary to what you're believing God for. Number five, do you need to sow a seed for it? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Number six, keep your faith strong through the word of God. Number seven, praise the Lord for your answer. Okay? Now I'm going to show you some stuff for you. Remember my material here? Remember that? That's my substance, right? What am I going to do with this substance? Well, I'm going to go on this little faith journey and I'm going to get a pattern. Okay? Maybe your pattern is some of the Bible verses you need. Your pattern. So I have a pattern, and I have a big picture. Oops, I just dropped something. I have a big picture. Anybody sew in here? Usually people don't even sew anymore. Somebody sews. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, I have this, I have this huge, enormous piece, but I'm going to have to eliminate some stuff because um, that, was a, that was a pattern for bears. So do I want a big bear or a little bear? Or there's also a pattern for clothes. Or do I want clothes for the bear? So I have to take this and I have to make it, I have to, you know, further go down my little thing and see what it is I need. You know, know, translate this into your faith walk. I have instructions. I just gave you a whole bunch of instructions on your faith. So I have instructions. So, where did, oh, here it is. So I decided what size bear I want and I cut out my little pieces And I have pieces here to my faith. That's a foot. 
What's this? That's the end of the foot. This is an ear. This is the head back, the back of the head. So you're going to have to put your, your faith pieces all together, okay? This is the side of the little bear's face. This is his back. This is his front. See his little belly? This is his arm. Okay, so as I'm going down my faith walk, I need certain things to do. I need a sewing machine. But I need to oil that sewing machine every once in a while like I did the other day because it started to act up on me. So you need some oil. You need to keep your faith oiled. And you need to decide, make some decisions along the way. What color, what color thread should I use? Should I use this dark green one? No, that looks terrible. How about the red one? <laughs> How about this little light blue one? That would be nice. Or even white. Okay. And then somewhere along the way, you know, you have to have your scissors to cut things out. You have to have your pins to sew your pattern pieces on. Every once in a while, you need a, a gauge. Make sure you're making your stitches the right length. Every once in a while, you have to mark your pattern pieces because there'll be little things on here, little, little dots that you have to match up. And so you take this thing here, which washes out, and you take your little wheel and you mark them on your pattern, okay? You have to make sure that the fabric weight that you're sewing is the right needle for your sewing machine because sometimes when you're sewing with lightweight fabric, you use a certain kind of, kind of needle. And if you're sewing with heavyweight fabric, you have to use a heavyweight needle. So when you do everything you're supposed to do, you're going to get the end of your faith. So here's one little end of my faith. Here's another little end of my faith. Now, don't ask me to sew for you because the answer is no. <laughs> I sew for my grandkids. And if I'd have known the kids weren't going to be in church today, I would have brought in, I'm making all the grandkids bathrobes for Christmas. So, but I, I would have brought those, but I thought they were going to be in the service. And then one time I started this project. You know, sometimes, you know, you flub up your faith. I started this project. I used to make all my old clo own clothes back in the day and all the kids' clothes. And I started this project of making a blouse. But, you know, it's not that the sewing's not good. The sewing's great. It's the wrong size. So, so much for that. You know, I want to show you some tools that you may need for your faith. Of course, you've got your Bible. Of course, you've got coming to church. Um, this, is, this is called a Strong's Analytical Concordance. So when you're, when you're studying your Bible you, and you see a word and the Lord, Holy Ghost quickens you, like, what does that word really mean? You know, we think it means one thing. What does it really mean? So you go to your analytical concordance and you look up the word you're looking for. And there's every single word in the Bible in this thing. And so you look, up your, you look up the word you're looking for and the scripture you're looking up to, and it gives you a code. And then you go to the back of the Bible and you look up the code and it tells you exactly what it means. Isn't that wonderful? And then you get some, some clear thinking. Another thing is this awesome thing. You, you have to buy it online because we don't carry this in the bookstore, although we could. This is an 1828 Noah, Noah Webster's Dictionary. Now, why do we have a Noah's 1828 dictionary? Because words have changed down through the ages. And so when we're reading our Bible, we want to find out what is the closest maybe definition to what we're reading for, you know, what we're studying about. It gives you great understanding. 
So we look it up in that. Another thing is I stole Pastor's uh, three by five cards off of his uh, dresser this morning. I'll give them. I'll give back to you in a minute. Okay, these are dated uh, November 21st, 1988, and it says Hebrews 11:6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You get the word down in your heart. You get the word down in your heart. Um, I'm going to give those back to you so you can take them home and put them where they belong. (laughs) Thanks for letting me borrow them, although I didn't ask. Okay. This is another thing. This is a very old book. Pastor, we need to get these in the bookstore if we don't have them. Of course, the cover will be different. Prayers that avail much. We have some? Okay. Uh, this is dated April 10th of 1983. Now I'm going to read to you one of the biggest faith journeys I've ever had in my entire life was for one of my children. And this kid, he just didn't follow the mold with the rest of them, you know what I mean? Wild, wild one, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I refused to let that kid go to hell. I refuse to let that kid live a life of defeat. I refuse to. So I ground in my faith. I sowed seeds for that kid different times. Some seeds were big. Some seeds were little. I never, ever said out of my mouth that that child would, would, would not serve God. I would never, ever sit out of, sit out of my mouth. None of the above. And I'm going to read a prayer to you out of this book here. The reason that these books are so important, prayers that avail much, is because they're, they're prayers, but they're all word prayers. Every single prayer in this book is from the Word of God. That's one reason why we know so much word. But I want to read this to you, this word prayer. For children and parents, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray and confess your word over my children and surround them with my faith. Faith in your word that you watch over it to perform it. God's doing it. You know, you may not see it. You may not see it today. You may not see it tomorrow. You may not see it for 20 years, but you will see it. I confess and believe that my children are disciples taught of Christ, taught of the Lord and obedient to your will. Great is the peace and undisturbed composure of my children. Because you, God, contend with that which contends with my children, and you give them safety and ease them. Father, you will perfect that which concerns me. I commit and cast the care of my children once and for all over on you. They're in your hands. I am positively persuaded that you are able to guard and keep that which I have committed to you. You are more than enough. Does that mean that you just do that and never pray again? No. I just confessed every single day, every day, every day, every day. And now that this particular child is born again, do I stop praying and confessing over this child? No. No. Just keep on keeping on. I confess that my children obey their parents in the Lord. How would you like that? If you've got kids, how would you like for them to obey you? Wouldn't that be nice? As his representatives, for this is just and right. My children honor, esteem, and value as precious their parents. For this is the first commandment with a promise that all may be well with my children, that they may live long on the earth. I believe and confess that my children choose life and love you, Lord, obey your voice and cling to you, for you are their life and the length of their days. Therefore, my children are the head and not the tail, and shall be above only and not beneath, and are blessed when they come in and when they go out. 
I believe and confess that you give your angels charge over my children to accompany and defend and preserve them in all their ways. You, Lord, are their refuge and fortress. You are the glory and the lifter of their heads. As parents, we will not provoke, irritate, or fret our children. We will not be hard on them, harass them, or cause them to become discouraged, sullen, morose, and feel inferior and frustrated. We will not break or wound their spirit, but we will rear them tenderly in the training, discipline, counsel, and admonition of the Lord. We will train them in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. O Lord, my Lord, how excellent, majestic, and glorious is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory, honor above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and unweaned infants, you have established strength because of your foes, that you might silence the enemy and the avenger. I sing praise to your name, O Most High. The enemy is turned back from my children in the name of Jesus. They increase in wisdom and in favor with God and man. Is that powerful or what? I'm telling you what, you need to get stuff like this. It's got, it's got, if you're going to go to court... If you're going to go to court, there's stuff in here about, you know, going to court. If you need a job, there's stuff about that. If you need a spouse, there's stuff in there about that. All kinds of stuff. But bottom line is, you need to get the word. No faith, no, no, no word, no faith. Okay? You, you, you overdose on your faith, on the word, and you're going to get some cool faith. Okay. The end. Da-da. All right, let's...